spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. You have a couple, a few in your backyard. These are very nice trees. Well, we're really lucky because uh, this green belt behind us is just narrow enough that they could never justify putting like a street in there. Right. Plus there's a brook back there. Nice. So we will always have this privacy, which is pretty amazing. You have a brook shield. <laughs> we have a brook shield. <laughs> Well, that's going to last forever now. It's <laughs> the Brook Shield. I can't move Just it. go down to the Brook Shield and yeah. fetch, a, fetch a pail of water. <laughs> like you do. Like we put it on our heads. Right. <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. Welcome back to the zone. Yeah. Well, this is different. We're on the deck, which is amazing. This feels a little bit like that one week a year when Regis and Kelly go to Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you're going to be entered for the Grand Showcase game. Travel trivia. Travel tri- Was that what it was? Travel trivia? Yeah. To uh, like sandals or whatever? It was always Sandals or the Windjammer Beach Resort in St. Lucia. That's a specific one. Have you ever heard of Omaha Steaks anytime other than on Regis <laughs> and Kathy Lee or Regis Omaha. and Kelly? Uh, no, now that you mentioned it. It I was literally, that's... they were sending you steaks yeah. from Omaha. And I, I remember being like, this. there must be a more intricate reason to like what this name is. No, it's just literal steaks from Omaha. Are you comfortable? Do you need to I'm adjust great. the ergonomics or anything? I'm totally fine. Because this is sort of just a beta test. We can do more podcasts like this if it goes well, knock on wood, mm-hmm. because it's like pretty, I didn't have to uproot any of the upstairs studio. Is I, the test to find out which one of us is the beta and which one of us is the alpha? Look, I think we know. <laughs> it's clear. I'm clearly the beta because you're like, you sit there. I'll talk about <laughs> you this. sit there. I'm going to build a second radio studio outside. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Actually, the neat thing about what I've devised here is Mm -hmm. that this is uh, perfectly remote. So we're not actually plugged into any sockets right now. We could be doing this on the bleachers overlooking Lake Banook or on on the Halifax Commons or like we could take the show on the road. This is our second podcast, the the Halifax Dartmouth podcast, where we just go like we broadcast under the wave. We broadcast from Lake Banook. We broadcast top of Citadel Hill. Just audio. It's just audio. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't believe the views we're taking. It's like a tourism kind of thing. Look, you'll have to take our word for it, but it's nice. Right. It's nice here. Right, exactly. Well, it's the same as when radio stations go down south too like that's even more ridiculous when it's like okay we're gonna do this huge ad spend and we're going to dominican and you're gonna report live from our resort it's a huge ad spend so for people who don't know this kind of thing essentially doesn't happen anymore but there are certain morning show jocks who like have it built into their contracts that they get right of refusal on some kind of trip giveaway and it's essentially if like there's ever an ad buy with uh like a, I guess it's just like a travel booker. Yeah, just any travel or company. a resort. Um, you trade essentially a free trip for the morning show and probably some cash right. for a bunch of ad time. And by the way, also a bunch of live mentions. So right. while you're doing the morning show down there in Dominican Republic or whatever, every single time you crack the mic, you're like, "Hey, we're down here at." Lucia St. Martis right. and we're having a beautiful time. You're not. You're fucking cold. Yeah, yeah. it's literally like what may, like maybe we'll give away if they're giving away trips, it, there's kind of a different element to it. Yeah. But if you're like, "Wow, it's so great down here. You should book a trip." People are like, "It's it's usually too late in the season at that point anyway." And then you're just listening to a commercial for four business days. Yes. Yeah. And the morning guy is drunk. And and the big thing is, we never got to do this. And no. this is why we speak so poorly of no, it. No, that's a gone by uh, construct of yeah. radio. I don't know that that's ever going to come back. No. And I've tried, too. I've always thrown in, not always, but there were like like five years of my 
tenure at the radio stations where I'd be like, and we'd also love to broadcast live from this place. And oh, a phone call has come in. That's a, a low blood sugar thing. Sorry. Okay. We're good. Uh, well, and we did, and, and obviously trip giveaways are still standard mm-hmm. uh, in prizing. And we've done some really cool ones at CKUL. Like we did, and they were usually tied to a concert experience. And so we did Ed Sheeran in Glasgow, Scotland oh, or yeah, something. We that did like great. incredible Adele um, at Madison Square Garden, New York City. Yeah. Like, that was like an amazing one. It's not just about going to some beach resort, although that can be pretty fun too. Didn't we do Coachella or was that like Governor's Ball or we something? We did the big music festival in California. Yes. Uh, we couldn't call it Coachella. No, correct. Oh, that's so. We did all of the big music festivals uh, and none of them had any kind of issue with us saying that, but we weren't allowed to promote our station by saying that word. Gotcha. The Super Bowl is a little bit like that, I think. The Super Bowl is, yeah. But I didn't know that festivals, like, you're giving a, like, for a, a festival to be so proprietary about yes. something that they don't want you advertising their festival seems so crazy. Well, and I don't know how you could be cute about the word Coachella, but there's, like, a tired cliche of, like, different ways to say like, Super Bowl. Right. The Su- Superb Owl. The Superb and, Owl is yeah. the corniest shit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, so I haven't seen you in two months and immediately we start talking about radio, which you, <laughs> which you don't work in anymore. No, I haven't for a couple months, which is weird. Yeah. You're, you got out of the, the, the game. Got out of the game. I'm in the sales game now. Good. How are you? How are you Slanging liking that? deals? How, I like you, it. You like being that guy? I like being that guy. I don't like to be referred to as that guy. <laughs> that I don't, I don't that makes it, like, it a bit rougher. I don't mean it a pejorative. Like okay. you're, you are that guy. I'm a sales guy. Now, of the yeah. two of us, you're the sales guy. Yeah, that's right. I should be the one pushing ads. We should get some local ad rev for the show show. Well, we we we, have we been sorely doing, need it. We have been doing this for five years and made absolutely no push to do anything of the sort. Any sort of advertising or no. any sort of yeah. I, I barely tell people about it. You actively don't tell people about it. Well, no, I do. T- people know about it now. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it comes up at like parties and stuff. Well, and here we are doing it in public. And here we are doing it out out here. We're, yeah, the passersby are starting to stop and look. T- I, I'm in my perfectly sheltered back, uh, sheltered <laughs> by the Brook Shield. I think by the end of this, this is going to be like the Beatles, like <laughs> on the roof. Oh, <laughs> okay, the roof. <laughs> Where All people right. are like, just like piling down below in the in the yard. They're realizing that the show show is happening. And Wait a second. Is that the Beatles? Yeah. Is that the Beatles talking on Colin's back deck? <laughs> that's right. I think that's the Beatles. We should do the rest in a Liverpudlian accent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can do. And I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was, I don't think you nailed it. But The like uh, it. Peter Jackson's Beatles documentary uh, Disney Plus original three-part series now. I'm excited about this. At uh, American Thanksgiving, so in November. I- I'm psyched about it, too. Yeah. I love the trailer for it. I've watched the trailer like three times. It's like a five-minute trailer. Well, isn't it interesting that we can still make Beatles documentaries without footage that... Because like, Beatles are one of those things that is like so obsessively uh, uh, chronicled and studied. Mm-hmm. You'd think that the Beatles experts of the world over the last 60 years would have dug up all the stuff we could possibly see or know. And there's famously, I guess... Uh, a documentary about the making of that album, Let It Be. Yeah. And it's called Let It Be. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like really showing the the darkness of the dynamic. So the cracks. That, in that way, I d- like 
we're seeing the complete opposite based on what we've seen in the trailers. Yes. It's very, like, friendly. They're, like, making fun of each other. They're just hanging out. Well, I mean, the movie's called Get Back. So what, yeah. what era of the Beatles does that signal? I don't know. I don't. I wonder if it's like we're gonna get back to the Let It Be time. But I think it's 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 them recording Let It Be. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a just a completely different side of it. So it is late Beatles. Yeah. Incredible. The last album. Hmm. Hmm. Which were both older than they were when they made that album. Isn't oh, that incredible. You ever think about that God. stuff? When I hear it, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think about it when it's brought to my attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. How old were they? I just know that John Lennon was. 40 when he died in 1980 yeah and the beatles broke up in 69 right wow so they yeah, were in their so late, late like, 20s yeah yeah george would have been in his mid-20s so wild and, and so woolly and like homeless looking right like i could never pull off that look at 27 well, i think that was why we probably thought they were so old too because probably. they were well and also they created a catalog that was like a lifetime's work <laughs> of incredible evolution and musical mastery in only five years or however long the beatles existed it's hard to match that Wh- what i found in studying popular culture is that the beatles are tough to top <laughs> but we're gonna get there we're episode 195 that's correct. Look <laughs> at you not like not having to. I just remembered the whiteboard from two episodes ago. <laughs> it still says one. I went back. Okay. That's very very good. Nice. That's very good. I like. Um, I really like when podcast interview shows have lightning rounds. Mm. I think that, like, if if I were to start an interview show that had a different guest every single time, I would like for the questions to be the same every single time. I, I yeah, that's great. Colbert has one now. Okay. Uh, the Colbert question questionnaire, but it's spelled with a T at the end. Um, anyway, I like I like Justin Long's podcast a little bit, and he has a really good uh, lightning round, which he does with every single guest. And one of the questions is Beatles or Stones. And what's fun about a lightning round is how interactive it is. So you listen, and every single time you listen to the same questions, you get to kind of like relitigate these questions mm-hmm. and see if your answers for them still hold. And what I've arrived at is, if I were to ask, if I were to be asked Beatles or Stones, I think I would have to say Stones. Nice. But I also think there are certain questions that have right and wrong answers and maybe that's the wrong one i just enjoy the rolling stones more nice that's that kind of surprises me does it yeah but i love that just because the the stones are so much they can be so much harsher yeah but i like the pop songs don't get me wrong totally i'm not like a historian on the rolling stones but it's for two reasons one uh my mom played the song angie a lot in our house growing up it's a beautiful song and also the specific moment in you can't always get what you want when the choir stops and then there's like an interlude with like, horns. Dun, dun, yeah, dun, like the acoustic dun. guitar comes in and there's like a horn. Wah, 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 wah. Right. One of my favorite moments in, in music, period. Right. Yes. Nice. They have a lot of songs like that. Like they're, they're so deep. The Rolling Stones are good too. I just wish. <laughs> they are. <laughs> We're breaking ground here. Yeah, but, but I just wish that the falling out wasn't so widely documented. See, I didn't know that there was so much drama. I well, guess every band in the 70s had drama. Yeah, like Mick and Keith aren't buds anymore. Oh. Because I think in in Mick's, uh, no, in, in Keith's like uh, bio, mm-hmm. he wrote about how Mick apparently had a, he called it a tiny todger. <laughs> okay. And so. Can I infer what that probably yeah. means? Yeah. And so <laughs> Mick is like, no, dude. Yeah. We don't. Tell people about this at like age sixty in our bio in our like oh so it was written like written bio he, he meant it literally he didn't mean it in terms of ego he was no no anatomically yeah I think so <laughs> <laughs> which like 
Fair enough. Yeah, I guess. But I just kind of feel like isn't Mick Jagger's whole thing that he kind of transcends like body insecurity that he's this like totally. kind of weird like yeah. extraterrestrial I, type person not unlike David Bowie I don't know that that was the main thing but I think it was the fact that they <laughs> I think that I, I think if, that like, was actually like if 70% that's what ended one of the greatest rock bands of all time the guitar player said the lead singer had a small dick and it was just <laughs> like this half century of like musical genius just ended there they don't talk to each other anymore like they play shows and they just kind of like pass each other i think a shame a yeah. shame to learn definitely yeah yeah so that bums me out when i think about it but <laughs> and it bums me out that they did, did this as like senior men yeah that's right yeah like, you think that you'd be past that by then yeah but is keith richards a senior given that he appears to be immortal like don't these arbitrary terms mean less when you transcend life itself maybe he's like i'm gonna live forever i might as well like start dishing (laughs) (laughs) well i mean a good celebrity memoir is dishy that's part of of what's true especially a rock and roll memoir and maybe he said that in passing and then like didn't have the the foresight to be like yeah we shouldn't put that in maybe Mm. like maybe he considers that a mistake maybe i have that book upstairs do you we could fact check (laughs) (laughs) just go through this 600 page book flip through this huge gray book yeah (laughs) there's a chapter called Tiny Dodger. I think this is the one. <laughs> I think I found Just it. Go to the index and try Confirmed. and find, find that term. <laughs> what have you been watching glossary. since our last podcast? You know what I watched all of um, and was not impressed with at all, but but started being impressed with it. My boy Justin Thoreau oh, yeah. was in that show Mosquito Coast. Yes. And it started out strong. My parents said the same thing. They started watching it, and they were intrigued by this concept that his grandfather wrote the novel that, that it's based wrote, on. wrote the novel, and then there was a movie that Harrison Ford starred in. See, it's tough to top Harrison Ford in something. It's true, and I guess that wasn't that good. Like Harrison Ford, also pretty good. You know what? I Beatles think history is... Stones, Harrison Ford. History the Beatles. That's like a line in a song that I can't wait to hear. Like, yeah. the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's the next We Didn't Start the Fire. 195 is all about cold takes. We're yeah, going to have the coldest exactly. takes tonight. <laughs> so uh, another actor who's very talented, um, Harrison Ford. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, he starred in this movie, Mosquito Coast. Yeah. Justin Thoreau uh, reprised that role. Mm-hmm. And it starts strong, but you realize like uh, the kind of crux of the movie or how this author wrote it, I think he kind of saw himself a bit as like a a smart kind of like guy who could get out of anything and also realized that that was like his biggest downfall, I suppose, like him being like such a smart ass and like kind of realizing that he didn't care about other people, including his family. Okay. And so the whole story is kind of about them trying to escape the, like, you know, the, the parents have done something awful and they need to get out of, the US they're mm-hmm. being chased by the cops they're literally like making a break for it the kids have no idea what's going on cuz they've never been they've never known that the parents were basically like they'd changed their identities and so this is how the story starts interesting premise yes um and then as it goes on and they get further and further into Mexico they're looking for these people to uh to kind of like live it was almost like kind of like a a resistance hippie kind of thing um, that they're going to, that they have contacts with. And you just start to like, Justin Thoreau is, is pointedly like 
not a good person. Like he's 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 a, he's trying to be a good person, but yeah. he's very self absorbed. Everything you're saying is reminding me of that show Bloodline with Kyle Chandler. Yeah, about, okay. Like, the Deep South family with yeah. all these like secrets. They're not very good people. Right. Yeah. And that's what this is. Like you, I don't even want to say it's like one of those shows where you're like, who's the good guy? You just kind of know like, oh, he. This is kind of rough. Okay. And like the whole, you see the whole family kind of like hating him, and they're not really in the wrong, for the most part that we know. Except they're on the run. They're on the yeah. They're on the run, but. But Justin Thoreau is like kind of the guy who's like the cause for all of their misery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it falls apart. You weren't happy with the it, ending. It kind of falls apart. The ending, like I was like, imagine if that's how it ended. Ugh. And then we looked and there was no other episodes. And it's been booked for a second season. So okay. there's like, at least that's not just where where it's done. But I don't know. So it's been renewed. It's been renewed. And it's on what uh, platform? Apple TV+. Plus. You have Apple TV Plus? Yeah, you I th- seem to have them all. Well, I just have it on uh, Smart TV. I think I had like a year free subscription or yeah, something, that must and be then it. so loaded it up on the Smart TV, and we're good to go. I'm never going to pay for Apple TV Plus, but I would like to have that option for just a couple of things. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Apple TV Plus has turned in a couple of hits at this point. Mm-hmm. The Morning Show being one of them, although I didn't think that was that good, but no. it, people watched it, and it's of a high caliber. Ted Lasso is their their best show. That you're right. That yeah. is the show that broke out. Yeah, and and the morning show was supposed to be that, but Ted Lasso ended up being that. Well, it's almost like they should have launched on a better show. I don't know if launching on Ted Lasso would have been the right thing to do. I think I understand the like the strategy of launching on the morning show because of the star power in it, mm-hmm. but that it's this weird like Sorkin knockoff. It just made it a little bit too niche. I think like yeah. you need to launch on a. Well, I don't know. I guess you could say the same about House of Cards. Something something a little more accessible, something kind of kind of mm-hmm. tawdry, like Orange is the New Black, like something Shonda Rhimesy really right. would, would get a, a streaming platform going. I, I think, think where Orange is the New Black had the benefit was the fact that I don't think it was expected to be like Netflix's big thing. I think True. it was just kind of like, let's try this out. Yeah. The thing that ended up kind of like blowing everyone's mind on Netflix was Stranger Things. Yeah. And that was the first one. Was that the first one that like really rode home? I think so. I get. Well, yeah, except for that, like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black were already big by the time those came around. Was House of Cards out at that point? Those two came out first. Okay. Yes. Yeah. House of and Cards and also Lily be... Hammer. That was their actually that was technically their first original show. Right. But that I mean, no. No. Yeah. No. We've never seen Lily Hammer. I think Stranger Things, you're correct. Stranger Things is their first franchise. Or it's mm-hmm. their first franchisable property. Like right. they and they have done that a little bit. I don't know how successful they've been, but they have like novelizations of like side stories about like when Hopper was younger and his daughter was alive and there's right. comic books and like some fanfic. Well and, and to say comic book, like that's a Comic Con property that they can dine on for the rest of all time. Right. I think yeah. I think the kids are all gonna be twenty when the next series comes out. A good thing it's supernatural and they can find some way to age them up. Right. Well, they might just like flash forward and say like now it's 1989. They might have to. Like we're, I know I talk about this all the time, but we're watching Mad Men and we just crossed over into a new season and Sally Draper, I swear she gets four years older in one like winter vacation. Now, kids are unpredictable. (laughs) With the way they age. They're animals. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Sally Draper? Because I remember her, so like she's supposed to be insufferable, right? Well, 
because her parents are making her this way. Yes, that's kind of the takeaway. Is yeah. like, yeah, she grows to be quite bratty, but how could you expect anything else from her? Right. Uh, her mother's horrible to her. She doesn't have her father's attention, although she has his affection at this point. I'm in season six. Um, and there's also like this very slow build with this plot involving her and the neighbor boy. So okay. like he shows up in the first season because Betty has to like babysit him for whatever reason. Oh yeah, and he does something crazy, doesn't he? <laughs> he asks her for a kiss or something, or no, a lock of hair. <laughs> okay. And then his mother finds Betty's lock of hair, and so she's forbade from like talking to the. He's so just a really weird kid, and yeah. so he turns up like a couple times a season, and now he's like <laughs> like pen pals with Sally kind of, and so I don't know, maybe maybe they're gonna. Uh, get together at some point but the funny thing about that actor is that his name is holden wiener no <laughs> so, <What>? so how, <laughs> how could he not be a weirdo like <laughs> seriously they're like we gotta we gotta cast this kid he's clearly been like having Look, these weird yeah, experiences like, he's got something in that he can draw upon for sure <laughs> clearly growing up as holden wiener i mean he, he also chose like a sag name so like presumably he had the chance not to be holden wiener anymore and he leaned into the skin. Or maybe his real name is something else. And <laughs> when he was a, like an eight-year-old, he was like, I want to be Holden Wiener. Holden Wiener. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just the worst stage parents of all time. I think that's a given. Well, like, I guess we got to let him do it. What else have I been watching? I watched a few movies. I watched In the Heights. Did you? Yeah. And I really liked it. Nice. Unsurprisingly. Really good reviews. Not a lot of uh, money made in its no? opening weekend. No, but Is it's- it on Disney Plus? No, it's on HBO Max, and it's in theaters. So now we've entered this kind of confusing new era. Right. Remember HBO Max said, like, all of uh, Universal's movies, or I forget what the studio was, but, like, some gigantic studio paired with HBO. Right. And they're like, everything that we put in theaters this year, we're also going to put on streaming. Yep. And so this makes box office scores muddled. Right. In a way that shouldn't matter that much because they shouldn't be sports scores. But suddenly it gets very hard to compare... Mm-hmm. In the Heights opening weekend to A Quiet Place 2 opening weekend to Cruella. Right, but I, I suppose you, yeah, I guess, when you when you know that one is just streaming and then you have to kind of make, I guess you go by household and you assume like four per but even But even then it could be hooey, right? Because there's, right. there's no governing board for who is getting what ratings on streaming platforms. We just have to take Netflix's word for it. Yeah. When they say like every single time they put it in a new show. We can't trust them. There's an article that says uh, this is the most watched thing in the history of right. our platform. Right, it was Queen's Gambit, and then it was quickly Bridgerton. I believe that it was Bridgerton. Like, I guess I buy that that yeah. that would be as big as it is. But when it's the when it's like Dead to Me, starring Linda Cardellini, yes, I'm like, I don't believe you. Right, you and like Ratchet. Right, yes, you can't Ratchet. <laughs> you can't say it every time. Right, yeah. It's like, but CBS does the same thing too. Yes, like, but at least it's a like a. Uh, a standardized a, metric for that like rates all of right. the different networks yeah, yeah, yeah. like there is a nielsen but i don't board. know what 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 cbs uses i feel like cuz every year they're like the we've got the best show on television ncis yeah. and it's like and we've got the best new show Bob Hurts, Abishola, or like the, <laughs> I always use what? that as an example because I always remember That's it. such a funny <laughs> name. You know what though? Like not not to um, betray my countrymen, but um, radio does the same thing. Well, like we promote radio stations by saying we're the number one this or the number one that. And yep. it, it could just be based on some very niche 
bit of data applying right. to only one demographic. Right. Not to, yeah, it kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit. But right. like, <laughs> it's it's not a lie, but it's also- Hey, radio fans, <laughs> plug your ears. Yeah, listen, you don't want to know forward. the truth. Yeah. It's not a lie, but it's not the truth either. And if it helps somebody sell their thing, who cares? Mm-hmm. Except for that Netflix feels, it feels especially insidious because they like hold all the chips. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, I liked In the Heights. I thought it was really- Basically, good. it matters to us. Yeah, it matters to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. I like to be able to blame people for things. Right. Yeah. And we like to be able to say this deserves to be or this doesn't deserve to be. Well, and the thing is, I, I see no reason why In the Heights wouldn't be a financial success. People love musicals. Mm-hmm. And it's a summer movie. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't have enough star power. But like Hamilton was the one of the biggest, I mean, according to what they tell us, one of the biggest streaming phenomena phenomenons ever. Right. And so- we should still be living within the wake of that mm-hmm. for In the Heights to have done a little bit of business, I would think. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. It was good. <laughs> I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that, Racco, for sure. Okay, you give else? it your ass. What else? I watched most of Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> okay, but you haven't finished it? I have it? about 45 minutes left, and I will, but I can't watch it for more than a few minutes at a it's, time. It is a, like... There's a lot going on. I think it's out of its era. It belongs in the Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Dewey Cox era of movie making. I think that's why I liked it. Okay. <laughs> I th- because I like I I have such a nostalgic feeling for the movies of 15, almost like 20 years ago now. That's I'm kind so of crazy. surprised they got it made, to be honest. Because it actually looks to be like an expensive movie. And, yeah, a little bit. And it seems very niche. Yes. Yeah, but because of that, it makes it so much funny the kid in that movie is so funny to me yes like the little minion yeah. in the lair yeah it's weird to me when they first showed because Kristen Wiig plays like one of the leads and then also she plays the super villain yes I didn't even know there was who's a super like, villain who's almost like a prototypical doctor evil, evil. a female doctor evil and it's also kind of in the vein of that comedically yes. a little bit yeah um strangely when they first showed because she's all covered in like crazy makeup and yeah. she's like She's frankly, at first, unrecognizable. At first, we're like, "Is that Kristen Wiig?" <laughs> yeah. And then the more you watch it, you're like, "It's crazy that Clearly. I ever didn't know this was Kristen Wiig." <laughs> yeah. It's so obviously her. Um, and even to the point, and I haven't seen the end of it yet. Although I think I'm probably, I think I can probably sense that it's not going in this direction. There's a part of me that's like, "Is the twist that Star is the supervillain <laughs> and that she's been like yanking Barb's chain all along?" Right. I don't think that's actually going to happen. Um, but it's it's it's. I also thought like maybe this is Tilda Swinton. Jamie Dornan is pretty funny. He has a musical number that kind of slaps. This was like the perfect move for him. It was. Like, I think this was the the best thing he could have done. He's not a good actor, though. No, but he's pretty funny in that. But, like, I remember remember when Charlie Hunnam dropped out of Fifty Shades of Grey. I remember thinking, that's a smart call. Because this movie, even if it does a lot of money, and it did, it's going to be a stain, and it's going to make you look bad forever. And... That hasn't been a problem for Dakota Johnson at all. She got her paycheck. Mm-hmm. She got super famous. Mm-hmm. And now she gets to make good movies. And it hasn't really been a stain for like Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart either, to be fair. No. Like, I, I would say more so, though, they had to really work to shed that skin, as yeah. did Daniel Radcliffe. And he didn't even make a bad franchise. No, that's true. And he's very tough to like market, I think. Do you think? Or maybe he just chooses weird stuff. I think he likes to choose. To do the weird. I think he's like, he doesn't, I have $200 million in the bank. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. I'll just I, don't, do interesting I don't stuff. need to be famous that much. I think British people don't need to be famous that much. That's a good point. And 
props to him. Certainly Robert Pattinson would appear to be the same way, except for he's doing like the ultimate franchise now. So Yeah. Um Wait, is he Bond for sure? No, he's Batman. Oh yeah, yeah. He can't right. be both. Right, right, right. As we learned twelve years ago or whenever. Never the twain shall meet. No, that's right. Um, I rewatched Lady Bird. Not much to say about that, but I wanted to watch it because I knew it would huh. make me feel good, and it did make me feel good. That's one of my favorite movies of the decade. I rewatched Eighth Grade because Bo Burnham has been so omnipresent. Yep. Do you have any like? I don't want to belabor this too long because we talked about it for so long last time, and now we're outside, so we shouldn't talk about inside too much. But do you have any uh, residual feelings about that special having a few weeks removed from it? No, I think I want to watch it again. I like. I feel like I'm more interested in what Bo Burnham's up to. I've definitely been like tuning into his Instagram page a little bit. I think I followed him after that. Yeah, he's been like racking up the YouTube views and the Spotify plays for sure. Yeah, he's made money hand over fist the last month. So is Spotify are his songs now on Spotify and Apple Music? Yeah. Oh, cool. So it's out as an album now. Gotcha. And he enrolled in uh, Emmy consideration for Inside. Oh yeah, he's yeah yeah. Um. I will listen to some of the songs then because I hadn't actually hadn't actually really listened. I think I saw some things posted on Reddit, like "Welcome to the Internet" and like a yep. couple other. The uh, the first song, uh, yeah, content. Dad, Daddy's got content. Yeah, we we made a lot of comments about about the like the text of the show, and mm. we talked a little bit about what a filmmaking achievement it was. We didn't talk a lot about like what a producerial achievement it was from a musical standpoint. Like this is a kid who used to have like a Casio keyboard in his parents. Oh, yeah. And like he made beats that rival the biggest pop songs. Right. Some of the songs are so well produced. His is the first song that uh da- uh Daddy? It's called Content. content. Yeah. <laughs> what did I call it? Daddy Daddy? <laughs> Um, it should be called that. <laughs> uh, and every song kind of should be called that. Oh, yeah. Um, this, the thing about that is he sings so much like Weird Al in it. He has a really it's buzzy voice. That's a so good point. noticeable. But there are other songs where he is like belting it out and he's clearly got like, well, like he's the, making strides. The final, I don't know if it's the final song, but like the big like crescendo moment of the special, mm-hmm. I think the song's called Get Inside. And it's yes. like kind of the big song, like the really emotive song. He has dropped his voice two octaves on that. And not unlike when he did it for the Can't Handle This Kanye rant at the end of Make Happy. Like he's auto-tuned in it and he's dropped the octave of his voice right. a lot to make it this like kind of... Um, heavy smoky almost like a drake song although drake song drake's voice is quite yeah high it's, pitched. it's it's almost also kind of kanye ish yes yeah where anyway. he's just holding the yeah the phone and, and doing then it that, kind yeah. of collapses yeah yeah still a lot of people and i, I know i spend too much time on tiktok because it's for children but like, <laughs> there's a lot of people like trying to figure out like what it all means and i think that you and i I maintain that you and I are right in that. It's just a movie and yeah. it's based on real emotions, but it is a scripted movie and a great example. Somebody um, very cleverly discovered that the I'm turning 30 sequence where mm-hmm. he's sitting on a stool and the clock says 1159. If yep. you pause at the right second, you get a glimpse of his window and the blinds are pulled because it's daytime. Okay. And Bo didn't do that by accident. No. He wants you. Oh, he to, wants you to know. He that wants you to know this okay. is some fucking Whoa, movie. This is better. I didn't turn thirty here. Yeah. This was a. I took it. I did the take as many times as I needed to. Yeah. And I thought that was a really important observation about right. what this is, writ large. Yeah. That. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I. I would never have known that. Yeah. Um. But I love that people dug into it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's cool. I'm happy he confirmed that for us. 
But he didn't. It's just in the movie. But he... Yeah. That was kind of his way I can remember. <laughs> uh, and so I rewatched Eighth Grade, and it's still uh, incredibly hard to watch. Just quickly <laughs> just quickly on the, um, on the front of like musical stuff. Edgar Wright is releasing a documentary about Sparks. I saw that Edgar Wright was making. What is Sparks? So Sparks is a band. Do you remember that show, The Mystery Show? That's yeah. Starly Kind. Starly so, Kind. I love that show. Exactly. Yeah. So the the theme song from that was done by the band Sparks. Okay. And so this is like, it's kind of another documentary about like your favorite band's favorite band, but mm. in the sense that like they're still putting out music and people, I guess their last two albums kind of like hit in the UK or yeah. Europe, but they have been releasing and have been kind of ahead of the trend of music, like ahead of like the talking heads, ahead of Queen, like the interesting and crazy so they've stuff. they've been around and they're just some they, like, underappreciated totally. band. They've okay. been around since like the 70s or like mid 80s doing wow. like really experimental stuff and then just moving on and completely like reinventing themselves over and over again. And they have a lot of big fans, Edgar Wright obviously being one of them, but there's a lot of celebrities that are like Phil Lord ran into Edgar Wright at yeah. a concert. And was like, you need to do a documentary about this. And Edgar Wright was like, okay, I will. And I think there's like a ton of like, you get your Mike Myers and all these people that are like, yeah, no, Sparks invented this thing that Queen ended up doing or whatever. So I think there's a lot of that stuff. I think Big Star is another one of those bands. I think it's the exact same kind of documentary. Yeah. And if you happen to be like a, a music nerd about the 70s and 80s, you know about these like little hidden gems that... And, and if the people are out there still alive, there's probably a part of them that is like kind of bitter about it. You know what it reminds me of is um, the the Blue Jean Committee. That's what that fictional right. band yeah, was yeah. about. That exactly. they like created this kind of style. The difference here is that Sparks is still releasing music and they're still releasing good music. And so Edgar Wright makes that point. He's like, if we were doing a documentary about Aerosmith, the cover of the like documentary poster or whatever the documentary poster yeah would be like aerosmith in like 1976 yeah but we're using sparks now because like it's just supposed to speak to how they're still active okay like how they're still like they're they're growing they're they're still just as good as they were and they're still doing just as interesting stuff it's very very deep i always find it interesting when people say that about an artist who's still doing it and you you mean to say that they're still together like making new shit yeah they're not cool they're not brothers or are they brothers i think they are brothers the sparks brothers it's something people say about howard stern a lot and i'm sorry that's just like my frame of reference no i love it music adjacent but people like to say that stern is better than he ever was and that's not true it's simply not true Mm -hmm. but he probably peaked later than you might expect for somebody yeah um and alternatively, I think I heard maybe it was like Joel Plaskett say this or George Strombolopoulos or somebody who I admire in like Canadian music um, used Neil Young as an example for somebody who like you just kind of have to be at peace with the idea that they're going to keep making music. And you have to like, in fact, be really celebratory of that. But mm-hmm. at some point you have to decide to probably not get psyched about the new ones anymore. Right. Because it's, it's never going to be what it was when you fell in love with something, even if the music is still is better like if it's academically better i bet the edge is a better guitar player than he was in 1986 yeah but like that doesn't mean it's going to land with people's souls the way it did totally it's yeah it's not gonna be as they're they're constantly like trying to find the sound if they're not acdc they're like trying to find the sound and like either service the 
people that listen to their music originally or like kind of be like, let's freak people out with yeah. this new album where even their last one was the one that got released on everyone's iPhone. Oh yeah. The, was you that know, their that, last album? I think so. Oh, it had like the legend of like Joey, <laughs> Joey Ramone. That's that, that album is still on my phone. Like it's still there. <laughs> You can get it off. If, I know you can, but it still kind of like stays in your cloud. Like it's it's a part of your DNA now as a person with there, an Apple that's product. That's hilarious. There, yeah. there is like a guide to completely get rid of it. I had to do it because it, if I put it on Shuffle or something, I would just get these random U2 songs that yeah. I wasn't interested See, in. See, I never use Shuffle because I don't have a chaotic personality. I need to have like a little yeah. more control. I think this was like, yeah, now I like create my own stations and stuff and it just, <laughs> it knows where I'm, where I'm going. Well, you know what? As long as we're talking about U2... I mean, that's a band that was around for 30 years before How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. And yeah. for my money, that might be better than Joshua Tree. That is a fucking great album. That is a great And then before- Vertigo, Miracle Drug, uh, City of Blinding Lights. Yep. Uh, there's a song about his dad that's like a slow jam. Oh, man. That song's so good. It's so good. And, and the video like almost makes you want to cry. It's just like him walking through Shit. Ireland. What is the song called? Anyway, like that's an unbelievably good record, yeah. and that came out in like 2005. Yeah, that is crazy. And and Beautiful Day came out like three years before that, and that feels like an oldie. Yeah, which I guess it is now. Maybe it was like 2000. Do you say ACDC because that's a band that deliberately tries to sound the same? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they might switch it up a little bit. I'm not knocking but on them. Is, They've obviously made a career. But out are of people it. like waiting until midnight for the release of the new ACDC album? That's, Some people are. That's sad. Some people are. Yeah, you're probably right. That's they want to hear a different You want to talk about How I Met Your Father? Um, <laughs> there's nothing to say other than <laughs> Hilary Duff is going to star in it and Chris Lowell is going to be the lead actor opposite her and so this is the guy He's in Glow. He's like the manager in Glow who's not Mark Maron. I was going to say, he's Mark Maron. <laughs> Imagine if uh, it was Mark Maron and Hillary Duff. I met your father. <laughs> yes, I want to see that so much. Honestly, that would be good. He's so, well, he already did. He had like a, a love story with Alison Brie in Glow, which is the he same. He did? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's treated as inappropriate in the show. Yeah, you're not rooting for it. Well, except you are because you root for Marin, and the character is like kind of like Marin. Like you're, they're like, I want good things for this sad. Gotcha. Sack. Okay. You know. Huh. Anyway, um, Chris Lowell is the other guy in Glow, who's like the the manager of the of the wrestling team, who's also in Promising Young Woman. Okay. He's he's the brat the bachelor party guy. Gotcha. Where okay. they're giving away any right, spoilers. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the groom, the groom. So he he might stand to become super famous. Um, See that. But uh, we'll never know what could have been from the, from do you the know that show? Greta Gerwig installment of that show, which is insane. Do you know that show Younger that Hilary Duff is in? Like, literally the last season's being, I think it just got released on Amazon Prime. So we have like 11 listeners on this podcast. And one of them is my super good friend, Jade, who I see okay. all the time. And okay. we, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Uh-huh. And so I happen to know that uh, uh, Hilary Duff has no bigger detractor than my friend Jade. She hates Hillary Duff. Whoa. Which is more than Justin Timberlake? No, definitely not. Because okay. that's a personal uh, uh rift. But <laughs> wait. <laughs> what do you mean by personal? Well, she's just like a big Britney Spears supporter, okay. and so you can't gotcha. be both. Um no no, it's it's purely uh uh 
a professional issue she takes with Hillary Duff as a thespian. Like she's yeah, she ins- she's bad. Insists she's a bad actor. I don't. It's interesting that you feel that way. I never necessarily saw that. I didn't when I when we were watching Lizzie McGuire in, <laughs> in junior high and elementary school. Couldn't really tell it. But the fact that she's acting kind of the same way in this show is is a little rough. Is, is, kind is, of Jade, a bummer. is Jade a younger fan though? Because the no. show is is like no, people bring, like it. I bring her up because I do know that she's watched that show and she cites that show as I think she must have hate watched it because she seems to have seen enough of it <laughs> to be able to substantiate that Hillary Duff's a really bad actor. And you know what? She's one of those people who like, I don't even need her to be a very good actor. I just like her. Yeah. And I think that's probably what made her famous. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so what about Younger? It's It just finished and Jen watched all of it and started it over again recently. Oh boy. But the premise of it is is kind of interesting. It's this girl that starts working, this girl, this woman that starts working at a company and she's like, for whatever reason, I sorry, I just spilled cider. That's like really okay. Drops of cider. It's you don't have. It's just, it's been rained on so much. You're sitting on mold right now. Okay, and now I'm sitting on cider too because it's just just go, put the can on the table. Down my there leg. are three tables around you, and you're like trying to balance your can <laughs> on the top on a, of my on head. a pillow. You're right. Yeah. Um. So the premise is basically that she... <laughs> you put it on the floor. By the way, <laughs> there are three tables. <laughs> They're all kind of far away. All right. Fair enough. Um. The the premise is basically that this woman is going to work at like a fashion agency or something and, and claims to be 26, but she's actually 43. And she actually oh. looks like she's 26, but she's actually 43. Hillary Duff's not 43. No, it's not about Hillary Duff. Oh. It's not about Hillary Duff, okay? She oh. happens to be in it. Um, I cons- thought she was the star of She's this like thing. constantly acting surprised and distraught. I think that's Hillary Duff's go-to. It's like, what am I supposed to do about this? You know what it is? It's early Rachel Green. She was she was copying. Right. Uh, what if? Yes. If, oh, I had- and Jennifer Aniston yeah. is low-key one of the best comedic actors of her generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that she was, even if it was inadvertent, I think that she was trying to replicate that sensibility, that incredulous kind of like uh, shaken up sort of right. uh, quality yeah yeah the one what 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 yeah and it's only early friends yeah there was someone who did did a good jennifer aniston on snl vanessa bayer did she did like a couple of the friends oh yeah right and it's one of those people who you can't believe that that's a like that there's a good impression of right. her about them. And she crushed it with Jennifer Aniston. Vanessa Bayer really cracked me up in Barb and Star as like the leader of the book club. Oh, yeah. She's a horrible she's person. She's so disciplinary. She's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> Very strict. I miss Locks Vanessa the Bayer. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Stranger Things before. Uh, they are coming back. Okay. And they have added, I don't know the name of the, the actors, I'm sorry about this, but the star of Anne with an E, like the okay. CBC turned Netflix <laughs> show, the Anne of Green Gables yep. show, she's going to be in Stranger Things, which I actually think is brilliant casting because that show, Anne with an E, for some reason, had a really loyal fan base. Okay. Not a huge fan base, it got canceled, but like they just waterboarded the CBC when it got canceled. Um, people are going to be really happy to see her come back. And this is something that's demographically age appropriate. Not at all the same tone as Anne of Green Gables, right. Stranger Things, but she has an audience that I think could come to Stranger Things if it's not they'll, already there. I think she'll fit in with that crew. They'll be happy to see Anne getting some work. Yeah, and fighting Demogorgons. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the one book that Lucy Maud Montgomery didn't write. It's true. It, that, no. 
<laughs> nothing about that. Although, like, maybe maybe in a weird way, the worlds are going to collide. Like, they'll do, like, a timeline thing. Because Man. she had a sense of imagination, right? That was her whole thing. Do you know how much I want to see a Demogorgon rip through Green Gables? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was it, like, Uncle Todd or something? Uh, Oh, Becky's going to hate that. I don't know. I think his name was Matthew. I think it was Matthew. You're right. Yeah. And what was her name? The grandmother or the aunt or whatever? Yeah, the one that was Matthew's partner. The one who was mean to Anne? Yeah. Called her ugly? Called her ugly. Yeah, called her ugly. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing. Anne of Green Gables is supposed to be very plain looking. Ah, okay. But she had red hair. That's not plain. It's different. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> this thing is just falling apart at the seams. This is... <laughs> Shout outs to Becky. It's a it's this is not one of my colder takes, but I can't stand Anne of Green Cables. I find oh my her God. so precocious and annoying. I know that's the point, but I wish she'd just stop being so melodramatic. I never got into Anne No, there's nothing about Anne of Green Gables that ever enticed me. I couldn't imagine why anyone would get into it. We're gonna Sorry. get canceled for this for sure. <laughs> We're gonna get excommunicated from our nation. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Uh some shows renewed. Girls Five Eva renewed for season two. Cool. Keenan renewed for season two. Wow. And people like it. Maybe it's much better than the pilot. Sweet. And this kind of surprised me. Cruel Summer renewed for season two. And apparently the season finale was great. Yeah? Apparently it finishes really strong. Well, there's I could see there being a lot of twists I mean, that would like, make it interesting. I didn't think that it was unwatchable. I just didn't think it was very good. And so I'm surprised that they come up with some kind of like really surprising, enriching ending. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I can't believe that. That like the, the twists that it offers. It's also keeps you entertained. According to Freeform, and apropos of our previous conversation, take this with a grain of salt. Uh-huh. It's apparently the most watched thing in the history of Freeform. <laughs> now, what is Freeform? Good question. <laughs> and I don't have an answer for it. Okay, you. it's just on Freeform. I'm not sure Freeform knows. <laughs> <laughs> is it like the dark web? Yeah, it is. Like it's the most watched thing on the dark web, which is actually very wholesome. That's nice. <laughs> Could be people, so much worse. People are see they think it's gonna uh, they're like cruel summer. This is gonna be crazy. And they're, then they're like, Oh wow, this these teens are really struggling. They go to the dark web just to watch Cruel Summer. Oh, nostalgia. It's just a crime show about a teenager. <laughs> in the nineties. And it's pretty harmless. Yeah. It's okay, the phones are big. Uh, Zoe's playlist, Zoe's yep. uh, extraordinary, extraordinary playlist or whatever, yep. uh, canceled. What? And and, and Jane Levy, uh, she has been a little critical of it. This happens of sometimes. Of the cancellation? Yeah, she says that NBC uh, has a history of choosing guns and violence over love. She used some broad umbrella terms here. Okay. But basically saying that like NBC didn't back this show, which is actually very lovely, and instead mm-hmm. they back all these shows about violence, which is valid, but... I'll say again, as I've said many times, like it's law all, and order. It's all, yeah, it's okay. always about money. It's it's not about like liking violence. They're a business, and I don't like it any more than you do. But like your show wasn't being watched by enough people, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, that's how you get canceled on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're basically asking the world to change. <laughs> My only lasting memory from that pilot is that her dad has died, and then she has like a a vision of her dad, and it's. Peter Gallagher not, from the not OC. Not died, but is in like a deep, like sort right. of like yes, g- vegetative state. He's yes, thing. he's yeah. he's kind of had a stroke or something. And right, he's, he's not really there anymore. And but then she has a vision where what are you smiling at? Oh, 
Just Becky was trying to take a candid, and I ruined it by making direct eye contact and so, crossing my leg. So uh, she has like a vision where her dad is good, and this is a musical, right? The show's a, a musical, yeah. a la Glee, mm-hmm. and he sings. I don't know, Cindy Lauper or some shit. Yeah, it was Peter Gallagher from the OC, and God love him. He but sings. He, Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> he sings "My Humps" by the Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> and it's a weird fit. Um, and he was bad, and I just remember thinking it should have been Victor Garber, and we wouldn't have had a problem. Oh, interesting. You think he was bad? He was definitely bad. <laughs> okay. Now the show doesn't exist. Thanks, Peter Gallagher. The show is no mo. Rachel Bilson, speaking of the OC, Rachel Bilson is doing a OC rewatch show. Yes, I knew this. Yeah. Have you listened to any of it? No, but I kind of want to rewatch the OC. That would be a good rewatch. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe we do a re- <laughs> competing rewatch podcast. <laughs> Compete with Rachel Bilson. <laughs> Here's why you shouldn't listen to the Rachel. What we really Bilson need one. is like Ben McKenzie to co-host the show with us, and then it'd <laughs> yeah. be a fair fight. Uh, okay. Do you know about the Batman thing? I should have done a little more research on this. Oh well, I know that he's actually Bruce Wayne. You okay? You know that much. Okay. All right, then you're gonna have to jump on this. Um, do you know about this storyline involving? Uh, I think it's in a Harley Quinn focused comic, okay. but it involves. Uh, Catwoman, who we know, like, Batman has had, like, a long-standing, like, tenuous romantic sexual tension with with Catwoman, Uh obviously. Cats and bats. So, I really wish that I had done more background on this, but it has been heavily tweeted. So, just, like, run a search if you want to know the finer details. But, basically, there was a storyline written for this comic book where Batman, (laughs) while... um, the Dark Prince. While engaged in intimacy with Catwoman. Dark Knight, sorry. Yeah, the Dark, the dark Prince. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're thinking of Prince who did the soundtrack for Batman. That's forever. right, the Bat Dance. Uh, yeah. Uh, he then, um, uh, my dad listens to this podcast. Batman uh, provides Catwoman a service. Okay. In this in this particular sequence. Okay. And the publisher nixed the storyline because in their words, heroes don't do that kind of thing. And so it's opened this whole conversation <laughs> about providing whether, a service about like, whether like or a... not women should be allowed to be erotically pleasured. And nobody for some reason is asking why this ever had to be in a Batman comic to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a valid criticism. It is a stupid thing to censor. Like, if this is in the tone of your series, I don't know why it is. But if it's in, <laughs> yeah, we got to put the but if, there. But if it's in the tone of your series and you've already established that there's, like, like Batman porn in your comics, then why can't that be part of it? And why are you, like, making some kind of puritanical stand against Batman going downtown? There is such a weird demographic that would be serviced by this, this being released. They're like, oh, oh you, finally! Well, talk about the dark web. You know, people, lots of people would be psyched about that. I'm sure, and maybe they've they've long been psyched about it. Like, like I said, I don't know what takes place in Batman comics, but I, mm-hmm. I Gotham. do. As I understand, Batman comics do tend to be, for lack of a more appropriate term, R-rated. Like, right. like the yeah. violence of them, and certainly the language of them. That's partly why um, uh, uh, Zack Snyder's interpretation was supposed to be a little bit more. Uh, serviceable and a little bit more faithful to uh-huh. the the source text is that it was going to be R-rated. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't imagine there was like reciprocal oral sex in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> it was four hours and then he was like, no, oh, we look. still can't put this in here. No, no. 
It's probably good that we got Joss Whedon <laughs> offset for those days. Imagine they just threw in an extra 10 minutes either. They're like, yeah, no, this should be. Apparently people can imagine that. But yeah, yeah, true. They wanted it. It's such a weird line to draw is my point. <laughs> yeah. No, heroes don't. Heroes don't do that. Like other heroes. people can do it, but not heroes. Heroes abstain. I think heroes exclusively do that. <laughs> yeah, when they're not fighting crime, they're they're doing that. Yeah, they're doing that. They're doing that. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, this is kind of interesting. Again, I don't have a lot of details in that. I just don't know like what the specifics of these particular dishes are called. But are you familiar with a, a James Corden segment called um, "Spill Your Guts" or "Fill Your Guts"? No. So it's a reoccurring like kitschy game they play with guests and it tends to go pretty viral because it's dishy so to speak and it's i mean not unlike carpool karaoke it's a thing they can do in studio and it's i mean it's got a fear factor quality it involves very famous people eating something nasty right and so like kylie jenner will have to either tell you which you know one direction member she's made out with or she has to eat like a cow testicle Gotcha. And so it, the idea is like you have a choice. You can either eat the nasty thing or, or tell us what we want to hear. Tell it. You can answer this embarrassing question. Um, and it's kind of a crock, frankly, because usually like James Corden just like puts the thing briefly in his mouth, not unlike Batman, and then just <laughs> spits it in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so now it's been pointed out by somebody on TikTok, and I can't believe it took this long. They've been doing this segment for a really long time that like 90% of the dis- supposedly disgusting foods in their wheel are Asian cuisine. And so once you know that, suddenly this segment feels hella racist. Like, uh. like these are not just like foods that are paired badly and sound gross. Like this is a thing that would be on a menu in say a Filipino restaurant or something. Right. And like suddenly these things are, are being spoofed and, and it feels very racist. And I just find that interesting. Huh, and people are talking about that. Well, I'm talking about it with you. <laughs> are you making a point? Are you are you starting a trend here? No, I got this okay. from, from TikTok. Gotcha. <laughs> the new news source. Kind of is, isn't it? Music and news coming from TikTok. Disney Plus is doing a Beauty and the Beast prequel. Okay. I know how you feel about prequels. Yeah, I know, and I can't imagine. Like, it's just the, you you hear the full story. We already know it. Like, it's, you already know that he got turned into a beast. <laughs> I feel like it should be like <laughs> baby and the baby beast. Oh, like like the like the Muppet <laughs> like, babies? like Muppet babies. <laughs> yeah, that's he's a good just idea. always kind of been a beast. Well, <laughs> so he's like a little water <laughs> buffalo, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in a diaper. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be fair. I think probably a beast wore a diaper too. And and the people that raised him uh-huh. were the the candles and the yeah Lumiere. Yes, <laughs> Lumiere and the teacups and Mrs. Potts. the forks and the people and the spoons and the cups. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I think of this, <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast prequel. Hopefully they make it Baby and the Baby Beast and it's it holds up. I don't know a lot about the original Beauty and the Beast, but I, I just get this. You know how like a lot is said about how the- Like or- the original cartoon? Well, no, like the original text, like the original. Yeah, yeah. You know how, I don't know if it's a grim fairy tale, but the Little Mermaid in its original source text is supposedly like very dark and and like Ariel gets her voice box like violently shredded from her throat and like all kinds of like horrible stuff. <laughs> stuff you don't want to watch. I kind of feel like probably the original Beauty and the Beast is not dissimilar from that. And, and I'm namely thinking that because of the Lumieres and the Mrs. Potts's who, 
should be more traumatized by having been turned into inanimate objects. Like what a horror. Imagine tomorrow because of some prince's greed, mm-hmm. you got turned into, uh, I don't know, like a, like a, like a keyboard or something, a mouse pad. <laughs> oh, we're going like, very current. Yeah, yeah this is that a modern cool. retelling. It's still you 2020. You get turned into an iPhone 12. It's still 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then like, yeah, no, I guess in short, I wouldn't like that. No, you wouldn't like I it. I wouldn't be singing about it, and I certainly wouldn't be helping out a big beast. You wouldn't be accepting guests. <laughs> no, that's right. And I would certainly wouldn't be singing about <laughs> accepting guests. All Disney Plus original shows being moved to Wednesday releases instead of Fridays. Is that right? Yeah. I, I noticed it with Loki. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I think it's probably smarter for them. I, well, yeah. Like why, why Friday existed was kind of like the, the steam kind of wears off by Monday. Like I don't need to be that much of a research analyst to tell you. Well, that and like for years, Friday night was where a show would go to die. Like you don't put it in new, yeah. you don't put like the new episode of Survivor on on Friday night. Right. Thursday's a, a big night. Wednesday was a big night too. And I thought about it and I think that they gravitated towards Friday to compete with Netflix, which always releases their new seasonal dumps on Friday nights, oh, which okay. does make sense. Mm-hmm. And so the new season of Atypical or Stranger Things or whatever comes out on a Friday night. And that's so that you can have all weekend to binge it. Right. Because they really get off on you sitting in front of your TV for nine hours right. straight. But Disney Plus doesn't do that model anyway. They don't do, they just give you one episode at a time. So they really shouldn't be trying to compete with Friday night binge because you're out at the club. Right. Now, weirdly, we haven't been. And that was normally what we were doing on You're Friday right. night. Was like, oh, sweet, a new episode of Falcon Winter Soldier. But came even out. even Disney yeah. shouldn't be trying to eat Netflix's lunch when it comes to the new TV show. Mm-hmm. I know they probably think they should, and I'm sure a lot of people watch Loki and certainly yeah. WandaVision. But why just why not just pick another day? We're at home on Wednesday nights. I think it makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. I was going to start talking about Loki, and then I realized I can't do that yet. We can. It's okay. time. It's time? This is a natural segue. All right. Great. Do you want to talk about Loki? You're going to go first. You can pick which show you want to talk about. Um, No, I would prefer to talk about Axe, because it's been a while since I watched the first episode of Loki. Okay. You're going to... So this is the new... Um, what's her name? Jean Smart. Jean Smart. Big year for Jean Smart. Yeah. Where, where'd she come from? Well, she's always been around, but like now I know her name. I know. I didn't know her name. When you said it's the new Jean Smart show, I was like, what? I just hear her name on podcasts that talk about TV shows a lot right now because right. she, she was in Mare of Easttown. And Watchmen. Oh, she was a Watchmen. She's the detective in yes. Watchmen. Wow. She's just crushing it. Big couple years. New HBO Jane. show with Jean Smart. You're going to recap the first episode of Hacks in mm-hmm. three, two, one. Okay, so the Gene Smart character is essentially like a Joan Riversy kind of character uh, that does Vegas shows every night. She's a little bit hacky. Um, she's about to lose more shows. She doesn't like that. She's kind of married to her work. Her ex-husband dies. This uh, offbeat writer who made a tweet that was bad comes to help her out. They don't get along, and then they realize they actually do get along because they start helping each other with jokes yeah, appropriately. They, they both have like kind of a, a wry sensibility, and right. even though they aren't from the same generation, and they both are kind of tough in their exterior, and actually they're going to work well together, and this is going to young down uh, Dina or whatever her ins- name is. insulting each other, but at the same time, they're really like, yeah. you can tell that the chemistry is... The joke riff-off was tough. It Like yeah. where they're in the living room and they're like trading snaps. It just right. felt very forced. Right. And I kind of thought that 
and I I wouldn't be one to normally criticize Studio 60. I'm I know I'm like one of the last purveyors of that show having any kind of merit. But uh it's not unlike it in that the the dialogue of the show isn't unfunny. Like the way they talk is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But when they're actually doing the jokes, right, as comedians, it's not as funny as when they talk to each other. Right. And and I think it would get funnier. Yeah. I especially think the younger lady will probably bring the best out of Jean she, Smart. She was good, by the way. This, she was pretty solid. And she's like, we don't know who she is. No, I looked her up on IMDb, and she hasn't been in that much. She's kind of just got a, a good break here, I think, yeah. by being the other lead in this show. But she was pretty great. Yeah. And I think kind of an interesting, like, the idea is she was canceled from a tweet that she made, and she's just really, like, looking for work. I don't know. I find that hard to believe because the, they they share what tweet she said, and basically she said something. I think the idea is that like you couldn't actually say the tweet that would actually get someone canceled. Yeah, but I go on Twitter and I see those tweets all the time mm-hmm. from people who work, and so basically right. the idea is that it and it in itself, frankly, is hacky. She said something about um, you know Senator X, who is. In no, notably in the closet is also sending his gay son to conversion therapy and so she like makes a joke about the right. hypocrisy of this and I can see that getting you fired from the writing staff of some wholesome ABC family sitcom right but it wouldn't get you canceled no it, that's like that's a woke tweet right it wouldn't get you canceled if you were working at like late night or something no not I don't all. know where she was working though I don't know what this show was that she was working on. I don't know if they were clear about that but she has the same manager as this like Joan Rivers esque right. uh, legend, and yeah. she doesn't have his respect to the same degree as this uh, other legend. But she inadvertently gets paired, and she doesn't really want to go. But she flies across the country, and Gene Smart doesn't want help writing jokes. But they mm. kind of trade snaps, and they realize that actually this is going to be a good thing. And he is kind of like her her conscious conscience slash like confidant a little yeah. bit. Right. Like I think that's where most of the real conversations will actually happen throughout the show. Did you see Late Night with Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling? No, I never finished it. So this show is what that movie failed to be. Oh, really? And okay. I'm not saying that Hacks is amazing. I think it's okay. But you think it's better I than think that show? Late Night is pretty bad. Right. And in, in part because it's just too idealistic. Right. It, it's, it's like it's written by somebody who hasn't seen a movie later than 2003. Which right. might be true of Mindy Kaling. Uh, yeah. uh, I think that Emma Thompson is great. I think that she could have played this role instead. I also think Allison Janney could have played this role instead. Right. It's I don't know enough about Jean Smart to feel like it's entitled to her. But did you did you feel like I thought you thought that um, the what was her name uh, that played in Late Night? Didn't you say it was very unbelievable? Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, the movie itself, I don't know if it's unbelievable is what I would ascribe to it, but I just didn't think the script was good. Didn't compel you. The, th- the thing is, Emma Thompson is basically playing a David Letterman stand. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like a, 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 a feminist slant to it where like she can't be successful because, no, she's successful in spite of having been a woman and Mindy Kaling can't be successful because she is one. And so like okay. that's what the movie is about. And then they realize that they can work together and... Ta-da. Okay. It's, it's the same premise, except this show hasn't revealed that slant yet. Right. And I think the writing is better in Hacks. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I would watch it again. I, yeah. I wasn't against it. It's a short show. You can get through it quick. It seemed funny enough. Although, when, when you're watching someone who's intentionally hacky, mm-hmm. 
like th- that's the thing is the show like it, it's right. a, it's about hacks and sometimes the show is hacky in yeah. in a way that's not intentional right so that that's gonna it's just the anytime you're making a show about comedy in general and the same thing happened with well like what was that show I'm dying up here. Yeah, yeah. It was like that. Like I didn't you, watch it. You really can't get into but it that's, because was that even a com- like that was about Mitzi no, Shore. it was more of like a drama. But there, it had so many like stand up scenes in it. Yeah, that you if you don't deliver on those, then you just kind of feel like you should be watching just like a theater actor on stage. Well, kind of thing. I've never done stand up comedy, but like as I understand the craft, you have to like go out and hone your act and find out what works and what doesn't work. And essentially, when somebody writes a stand up comedian for something theatrical or televised, mm-hmm. it's clearly not a joke that's ever been done on stage before. Right. And so the audience is laughing at a thing that you just know somewhere in your soul wouldn't get that laugh. Right. And so the opening is her doing stand-up in front of like a theater of adoring fans. And she just makes some like hacky joke about being a lesbian. Right. And the audience just erupts in mania. Yeah. And you're right. like, that wouldn't land. I just know, I've seen enough of this yeah. to know that wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah, because the idea was... She's saying that the guy is saying like, "Are you close? Are you close?" Right, and you know where it's going. Like, yeah, yeah I'm close to this. I'm close to getting a flannel shirt and a buzz cut. Right. Yeah. Cool. Right. And it was exactly the same with Late Night. I'm sorry to keep bringing up that movie. That's but okay. Like, everything Emma Thompson says is just like, you just wrote that alone in your office. I know you did. You don't mm-hmm. know if that would work in front of a crowd, and I do, and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> For fact. <laughs> yeah, I do know. Jean Smart's husband died while making this show. Like, oh, for God. real. Her actual husband died while they were, like, in the last few weeks oh, geez. of shooting it. Just unexpectedly. Oh, man. That's rough. Yeah, so it's actually not been a great year for Jean Smart. <laughs> yeah, no. In the, yeah, in the, in the personal life, not so much. Tough beat for pentatonics. I wanted to point that out. They yeah, really, they really. They really rake pentatonics through the, through the coals. And they didn't ask for it. It's not a show about acapella singers. <laughs> That's but they true. go off on pentatonics a few times. That's true. And the video that they chose to show was like insane. Yeah. It was like them as like robots singing some crazy song. I just know what we play by them uh, at Christmas time. Yeah. On the radio station. Yeah, they seem relatively talented. Sure. And they won the sing off. I'd go see them in Vegas, maybe. I don't know. Christopher McDonald is in this. How many times a week do you think Christopher McDonald gets called shooter? Oh yeah. He loves it. I bet he does. Like, you can see, like, they talked on a podcast. Like, when, did you see that whole, like, Instagram exchange where He responds to something Adam Sandler, yeah. yeah, He's in character, kind of. Yes, yes. As shooter. And I heard him on a golf podcast where he was like, oh, man, I love it. Like, I do these charity events and everyone's like, he's he's so into it. Yeah, I think that's really nice. I think so, too. I I heard Mandy Patinkin talk about that one time, but I think it was on... Some CBC show I heard him being interviewed about, Inigo Montoya, yeah, which is very dear to me. Uh, and this is a guy who's had like a long career, and he and yeah. and, and also he's quite um, like a a serious actor. Yes, and a theater actor yeah. too. Like he takes the academia of it quite seriously, and he could very easily kind of brush off the Princess Bride as this like campy thing that he did and it happens to be what he's most famous for but he wishes it wasn't and plus it's so catchphrasy like it's one of the most catchphrasy characters of all time yeah and he is so wonderful about it which is a huge relief for me but he says like it's it gets said to me every day like there it really i won't if i go into public there's no chance somebody won't reference the princess bride to me and he's and he loves it 
That's and awesome. I, and I and I'm really excited when someone like Christopher McDonald is the, is the same with Shooter McGavin. It's even more cool when it's like a villain, a guy you love to hate. Yeah, because that is a wicked villain. Da- da- yeah, true. Yeah. Dax Shepard brings up um, how Owen Wilson sometimes says like someone's like, "Hey, don't you get bugged by people like like constantly like saying coming wow. around you or saying like yeah <laughs> yeah or and he's like." You know, it's kind of like a superpower because I just, like, I can, like, make people smile just by them seeing me kind of thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so nice. And Dak Shepard's like, what a lovely way, like, when people are crowding around or people are, like, pointing at him, he's like, this is cool. You can just create joy just by doing this thing with your mouth. That's right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Good stuff. Okay. Do you give it your S, Hacks? I By mean, the way, we talk about Happy Gilmore a lot on this podcast. Yeah, we do. We really we do. think it's the best movie it's ever. Great. It's a perfect movie. <laughs> we should maybe do a side podcast that's a Happy Gilmore podcast. Have you ever heard those podcasts that take a movie and they just analyze a minute of it per week? No. <laughs> so like they'll they'll spend like their hour long podcast just breaking down literally everything in a one minute span and they go through the whole movie. That is outrageous. <laughs> but it's it's built in like 120 episodes. <laughs> It's, and I think you could do it for Happy Gilmore. I don't want to, but no, no. but I, I do. I would I, never do that. I adore that movie, and I maintain I think it's perfect. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that movie. Nope. <laughs> go back and Shooter! listen to all the podcasts for Taco. <laughs> hey, Shooter, want to go to the Sizzler and get some grub? The Red Lobster. Yeah, <laughs> the Red Lobster. I'm going to recap the first episode of Loki. I'm not going to have anything go. to say about Loki that the people on the chat rooms won't chat rooms. Uh I don't have anything new to say about Loki, but I can I can try my best to recap it for you. I also don't know that it's that recapable, the pilot. Yikes. It's kind of tough. Mm. Okay. Okay. Hey, right, you ready? Yes. Okay, wait, what am I doing here? I'm doing stopwatch. Basically, Owen Wilson is uh, like an agent uh, representing, it's kind of the FBI, but for time travel, and everybody who like doesn't belong in the space-time continuum is what is known as a variant. And so Loki has been captured and imprisoned by this uh, extraterrestrial uh, bureau, and uh, his entire existence is being uh, kind of litigated for whether or not he is um, uh, virtuous. And so we go through his entire existence. My time is out. Um, and, and what we basically learn is that this this guy whose entire being is built around mischief and like creating pain for other people as like an archetypical villain, mm-hmm. actually that's not what drives him at all. He doesn't want to bring people pain. And so the seed is planted for Loki to be a redeemable anti-hero in this show. Mm-hmm. Did I convey enough story or did I, I just say some babble? No, I think you did. Okay. I think the thing is it 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 starts from doesn't it start from like Avengers Endgame? That's right. So in Avengers Endgame, uh in their time travel um uh adventure, they go back and Loki is then able to, get to the tesseract free himself. He Loki. uses the Tesseract and that's when he kind of like clips out of, right. of time. Yeah. And that's when he becomes a variant. Right. And so it's that moment where like all the Avengers are there at shield headquarters yeah. or whatever um <clears throat> that's right so that's when it happens and i don't know if we've th- in that moment determined that loki's murder at the hands of thanos is then overwritten and now he's alive i guess that's i guess that's the case right yeah because he's on a different timeline now yeah gotcha. and he's wearing like an orange jumpsuit and he's in right. and he's in this but he watches the thanos office. murder too he does 
Yeah, but they're out of time. They can go forward, I think. Right. Strangely little action. In fact, almost like for a superhero it's kind of a good MCO way to start show, it. I like it, but I wonder if everyone does. Like, it's mm. very chatty. Mm-hmm. The second episode has a lot. Did you watch the second episode? No, it just came out yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. There's more action. Okay. More action for sure. But it's, I like it. I, I think it's actually the the best. This is, I think, what I want the most out of uh, an MCU show. Well, for no particular reason, the Bureau exists in a 70s milieu. Yeah. And it really lends itself well to the Wes Anderson of it all. Yes. Right? And definitely. so the fact that Owen Wilson is like, like co-starring in this show gives it this kind of quirky vibe. And actually, he's very normal, but I kind of understand that the thing is evolving into like a, a buddy adventure show. And these two people are kind of like renegades together. I think so. They're kind of like the uh, the odd odd couple kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know about him as a person. There's some stuff you could kind of question. But I think I adore Owen Wilson. Like yeah. in a strange way. I think like I, I, I have never not absolutely adored him in the thing right i don't know what that is but you don't see him that much anymore he's a super likable guy remember when he was just in every ben stiller movie yeah that that was their thing they've made a lot of movies together that's true yeah um and then he did wedding crashers and that put him into the stratosphere it made him an a-lister briefly but it didn't last that long i mean i guess he was you know what he was in which you mentioned Ben Stiller. He was in both Night at the Museum movies, which okay. might not be like a cool factor thing, but it does give him like a, a status, a star status. Those are huge. That's interesting that that's the one that you bring up. Well, I'm not saying because it's obvious. I'm just right, saying right. I think it lends it lends itself to like really fortifying his right. his star power. There was a time when he was everywhere. Remember he did that movie You, Me, and Dupree, and that was when he fell in love with Kate Hudson and that like, totally threw him off the deep end i think that movie he fell in love with kate hudson in real life do you think yeah. that's what caused some trouble for owen wilson that is what caused trouble how for do owen you know wilson. that i remember it from 2006 Jeez. maybe seven or eight Ugh, that's too bad that's kind of sad i do think about that a lot when when he had that that bad night yeah yeah that's exactly what it was it's hard not to think about that in relation to Owen Wilson and maybe that's the whole reason maybe that's what drives me even bothering to say I love Owen Wilson mm-hmm. but there's also like the truth that he has a daughter he's never met so is like, that right yeah so like I don't oh, know I, didn't know this. I don't know about Owen Wilson I'm just saying like I really like him in stuff so how do you know that he has a dot like the daughter's just out there and everyone knows it it's just he has three kids he has two sons who he's very close with and he has a daughter he's never met by another woman whoa and is he married I don't know uh, if he's married right now. I think maybe all three of his kids are from different uh, mothers. Okay. I think. Um, and I think that he challenged the paternity of the daughter gotcha. and lost. And now he pays child support, but does not have anything to do with the kid. Like like I'm saying, I don't want yeah, yeah. like, right. to be that podcast, but like I think that that's a fact about his life. And so like I don't want to be all like, yeah, yeah, Owen Wilson deserves like <laughs> retribution. I'm just saying I like him in stuff and I like him in this. Mm-hmm. And you wish he didn't have to pay that girl money. That didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. You know, getting back to Loki, my favorite part uh-huh. of the first episode is when, and this means essentially nothing, but I love that they did this, that Loki is D.B. Cooper. <laughs> I what a funny aside. I loved that. I almost kind of hoped that you're going to get one of those things every episode. I want the whole show to be that. Yeah. I want the whole show to be, be the history of some what Loki did. great charismatic MCU actor 
just like going through all of history, hitting all of the, essentially being Forrest Gump, but you have time travel, right. so you're allowed to do more, like a bigger timeline. Yeah, I love that. Superhero and I, Forrest And I was like Gump. a little bit ahead of the D.B. Cooper thing too, and so he's flirting with the flight attendant, and it's the 70s, and as soon as he says, I have a bomb, I'm like, he's D.B. Cooper, and then I realize he looks like the sketch right. of D.B. Cooper. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that, that was an interesting part of the show. I feel like... It, I mean, the show was going to get made. It's not like they had to make a pilot and then... What do you mean? Like, I was going to say, they didn't have to impress anyone, really, with the first episode, but I think they still did. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, they weren't going to phone it in. No, true. It's it's a Disney platform. This is a Hiddleston-Owen Wilson reunion, uh, and it's... The, from what? From Midnight in Paris, which is also uh, a time travel thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Midnight in Paris was kind of great. What yeah. we can only like it so much. We can only like it so much, but you're right. In premise, it was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dang. Any other thoughts about it? No, I don't think so. I I do think that the the certain kind of like futuristic yet old school like mid century modern kind of vibe. Yeah. Reminded me of something else. Okay. And I can't quite remember some like. Is there another show where they go into the future, but they have that kind of, I don't know, old school vibe? I can't remember. I can't think about what it is. Well, Maybe the like whole... The Matrix or something. There's a, like a little bit of that where they, there's right. certain but areas. The whole thing to. just has like a halo of MCU on it too. So yeah. It's very hard to see what it looks like because it just looks like that. Right. It just looks like the compressed, and I'm not being disparaging, but it just kind of looks like the overly compressed, like, heavily detailed at this point 28 installment epic that disney's been creating for the last 14 right. years and so in like even though it stylistically is a little different from say the avengers age of ultron it's a little <laughs> more specific like genre wise right. it still just feels like mcu and so obviously a lot has been made about like wandavision uh bending genres yeah um, and that was very creative. And I guess of all of the MCU things, it felt the least MCU-y mm-hmm. until the last three episodes when there's like fighting supervillains in the sky. Right. Um, but like they're trying really hard with their TV shows, Falcon and Winter Soldier notwithstanding, because that felt very like uh, boilerplate, uh, to be like a little more creative with their styles. And yet it still just feels like MCU, which maybe is on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, I think they need to maintain a balance a bit. I just know that like Ross and I have talked a lot on the Star Wars podcast about with Star Wars TV shows on the Plus, they have this opportunity to bend genres. They have an opportunity to do like a gumshoe detective show right. or like something a little gritty and R-rated if they want to. Or they can do like a rom-com set in a galaxy far, far away. Like they can still make it Star Warsy while also like playing around with the styles and not having to commit to a whole trilogy of movies that is in that right. theme. And yet, now that we've seen that attempted in Marvel, I'm not really sure it's possible. Everything just looks compressed and feels like the same genre. And maybe that's maybe that's unavoidable. Did I just say babble? Have I said anything? no? No, no. I'm just I'm I'm just catching up. My my brain is now catching up to what you said. No, I agree. As long Fully as agree. as long as we're comparing those two uh, cinematic universes, it is interesting that Disney Plus launched on the Mandalorian and mm-hmm. has yet to release another piece of original content on that level and there's already three marvel tv shows on disney plus all released since january true three of them so lest, l- lest we forget they had shows that they want you to forget that exist in the mcu on netflix right. in like daredevil and luke cage and yeah. jessica jones and 
and uh, The Punisher. True. And they had MCU shows on network TV with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. With Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> um, yes, you're right. And I feel like Kevin Feige just isn't sleeping anymore. Yep. And Filoni uh, uh, is, is not Filoni. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, you're right. Dave Filoni. Yeah. Dave Filoni is um, being a little more protective about it or someone there is. I think maybe the hype train left the station on, on, Marvel, on Marvel shows. That's what I was trying to get at is that like they put out three shows within seven months of each other and fine, that's exciting. But like I don't think that they would have gotten as much buzz from WandaVision as they did if it wasn't the first one because right. it's so niche. And Falcon Winter Soldier was in the middle, which makes sense. It's kind of the obvious one. I don't think it's that memorable, frankly, and I didn't finish it. And I think Loki is back to being really creative and really cool. Mm-hmm. And there's some interest around it, but not WandaVision interest. And right. I think it's because we're tired. Like, space it out. Let us breathe. That's yeah, true. Make us wait a little. <laughs> make us really want it. Yeah, make me want it. I hear you. Yeah. Like, uh, like Catwoman. I was waiting, waiting for the callback, and I'm happy you did it. <laughs> you want to wrap this sucker up? Let's do it. All right, Will Smith. Strong he's, finish. He's going to host an hour-long comedy variety show on Netflix. So now Will Smith is entering the Netflix racket, and he's going to host a comedy variety show, which is vague terminology. Does that mean he's going like to do a stand-up show? or Is, is it he like gonna... the Will Smith show? Is he like hosting Laughing? Like, what is yeah, happening? Yeah, that's right. Or is he going to do like an NPH thing and like, and like show you 10 minutes of this juggler and then five minutes of this magician and right. then like a big gonna be like a skit flash. style Chappelle show oh I hadn't even thought about s- sketches maybe he's a very busy man isn't he he is plus if you search Will Smith right now in Google News you'd mostly just get updates on his physique because he let himself get kind of dad body and now he's like re- that's still re- reverse engineering them. oh he's he's now getting fit again yeah we were waiting for this to happen yeah it's now, amazing how many updates there are Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, Will Smith is like one of the ultimate A-listers. For sure. He is. So we're going to end on a cold take again. Will Smith, <laughs> big deal. Hey, if you guys don't know about Will Smith, he's done he's done a lot. Will Smith, Harrison Ford, uh-huh. The Beatles, and The Rolling Stones, all very famous. All big deals. Yeah. If you're in a room, which one of them are you trusting? Paul McCartney. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that guy has like been tried and true for half mm-hmm. a century. I don't think I trust Keith Richards after the story you shared. No, earlier. not with Tiny Todger. No, I can't share my most intimate personal <laughs> details with that guy. But Will Smith. Well, what about Harrison Ford? <laughs> no, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he has the time. Pass. He's not. He's not going to show up. I can't trust him to show up Did, either. Have you ever seen the thing with Harrison Ford where he's doing the David Blaine uh, yes. magic show and he just says, "Get the fuck out of my ass." <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. I think that guy is like. He waited 40 years to reveal that he's actually just very dry. I think he had an earring. He did have an earring. Yeah. yeah. He pulls it off. And he does. Doesn't he? Better than Will Smith as the genie in Aladdin. (laughs) Whoa. Never trust Will Smith. (laughs) Never trust Will Smith. Will Smith.